you weren't alive in the 90s. No, I wasn't. So that is true. This movie is this movie is very in a lot of ways quintessentially 1990s. If you if you were part of the continuity of progress of filmmaking, it stands out as a very 90s film. But we'll talk about that. I don't have a lot to say about that. <laughs> but you have a lot to absorb. <laughs> no, it's interesting just like uh this being a second film, like that's what they, you know, they always call it the sophomore effort. Like you hit it big with your first one and your sophomore effort is usually where it all falls apart. Like It's true. It's true. As a sophomore, <laughs> I would know. <laughs> It's Del Toro time with Phil and Ollie. And today we are talking about Mimic. Mimic, 1997's Mimic. It has bugses. Many a bugs. Lots lots of little bugs and some medium bugs and some large bugs. <laughs> large bugs. If you were if your favorite I would say if your favorite part of Kronos was when the cockroaches crawled out of the statue, then this is the movie for you. Yeah. So I think of Mimic as Guillermo del Toro's Mall rats. What is that? <laughs> Mall rats was Kevin Smith's after Kevin Smith made Clerks. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's time to make another movie, and Kevin Smith made Mall rats, which was his big budget Hollywood film that sort of incorporated a lot of his elements mm-hmm. and wasn't successful at all. Um, it has like it, people have soft spot for it, and it's entertaining in some ways. But uh, I feel like mimics the same way where they were like, ooh, ooh. We like what you're doing. Come do it this way, only we're going to try to manipulate you into making the movie we want to make. I mean, business, man. <laughs> it's business. It's totally business. Like they they were successful people for a reason, but you can kind of tell that this was a studio this wasn't like a very personal film for Del Toro. Yeah. 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 It's a good movie though. You like it. You I like do. It I really do. I go back and forth on it. Um I say that like sometimes I I'm really I have to be in the right mood to watch it. Otherwise, sometimes it seems it can seem very long. Yeah. I just rewatched it again and I was like, man, this takes a while to get going. And man, they're in that subway car for about an hour, aren't they? Like it just it, the pacing is weird. But we'll talk all about all that. Uh, but so your initial impression is you're a fan. I am a fan. Just off the top of your head, what's what do you like about it? I like the lanky bug monsters. Uh huh. And the spoons. Oh, yeah, the little boy with the spoons. You were all about the spoons last episode. Spoons. <laughs> now we get to talk about these spoons. Um, but oh, I also liked the two children dying. Oh, yes. There is child death and, and child uh, child danger aplenty in this movie. I'm, I'm not actually a fan of children dying. No, just no, 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 as no. A... <laughs> but it's, it is surprising. Like when, is, when yeah. I first saw this movie in college, like we were not expecting the kids to bite it. And when they did on screen, we were surprised because they were cute kids. They're the cute, like, give us $5 and we'll go like take your boxes up the right. stairs. Like... They're street tough. They're like newsies. Like they just are like, yeah. they pop in and they got personality and spunk. And like the one kid has big front teeth and isn't he adorable? And then eviscerated by bug monsters bug monsters bug monster a bug monster who is eating a dog when they find him or her or it or 
them. <laughs> yeah. So you, so first as an audience member, you're like, huh, a bug monster. Then you're like, oh, my goodness, it's holding a dead dog. And then you're like, oh, no, it's tearing a child apart. <laughs> See, like, those are, the, like, the two big things that moves most most movie makers don't do. Dead dogs. Mm-hmm. Dead small funny children that's my funny children no they they avoid that and for a second i couldn't remember when i rewatched this with you i couldn't remember if uh if the little spoon boy died because you think he's going he's in peril for a while and mm-hmm. i was like oh i don't remember if he actually dies he doesn't die everyone don't worry spoon boy doesn't die spoon boy but lives let's let's get on to this miramaxed version of Guillermo del toro's vision mm-hmm. uh, uh this is based mimic is actually based on a short story uh it was originally going to be part of a, sh- a series of short films that made up one anthology movie but uh del toro decided he was given the money and decided to go ahead and make this into a feature-length film but the short story is very simple it's only a few pages long and it's a guy lives in a tenement in like Mm -hmm. new york city and there's a creepy old man who lives a few doors like in in one of the apartments who no one's ever talked to but he just wears a long coat and just sort of keeps to himself Uh, but he like interact like he buys groceries and stuff like he looks enough like a person but then one day there's screams coming from his apartment, and so they break the door down, and they find him apparently dead on the floor. When they turn him over, but it's only on further inspection they notice that his suit isn't a suit, it's his body. And his cape is actually his wings, and his face is actually just shadows and indentations that look like a face. And it's the it's the, the mimic bug. And yeah. So in the story, it's, the story is about how there's these just these creatures existing among us who over millions of years have evolved to hide within our society Mm -hmm. so it's a it's a reversal on what the movie's about because in the movie they mimic us to hunt us but in the original short story they mimic us so we don't kill them so they look more like us they compare it to like beetles who mimic ants so they can live among the like among the hive or the nests the hill the ant the ant mound. Mound? No, it's hill. Live among the mill. Live amongst the mounds. Uh, so yes, yeah, you've got so. Uh, and then they open this box that's in the same room, and all these babies fly out. These baby like, but they're baby. They're baby insects that fly out the window, but they all look like little men in suits. So they, they're like fairies. They look kind of like fairies, but like with beetle wings. They look like little men in suits. They fly out. But the big twist at the end, and I love this in the short story. This is this is definitely not the movie. He's looking out the window, just like flipping out, like everyone's freaking out because like. Oh my gosh, they walk among us. And then he notices, just he quickly notices on the roof of one of the other buildings is a chimney. And it momentarily, part of the chimney shifts and it has eyes and the chimney kind of moves and it watches the the bugs fly away and then it quickly reverts back into a chimney. And you're like, oh, like, so it's sort of like there's more than just these bugs. Like, there's mimics all around us that we will never be aware of because they blend in so well. There's chimney mimics, <laughs> book mimics. Which makes, let's talk about how over millions of years an insect can evolve into a man wearing a suit, which is like a fashion that didn't exist until like a couple hundred years ago. What about the, what about the chimney? <laughs> Wait, right, right, right. <laughs> Like, if there's one thing that's been a constant throughout human history, it's chimneys. Like, enough <laughs> that animals have evolved into chimneys. And did no one ever notice that, like, this chimney's not connected to anything on this roof? Like, did no maintenance people ever or, go up there? Or did, like, they not notice that suddenly they had a chimney <laughs> where there had previously been none? You know what? We didn't build a chimney on this building. <laughs> also, it has eyes. 
and is watching everything that goes on. So, uh, so that's the original short story of Mavic. When you you can kind of see like where the idea is yeah. in there. Um, and Del Toro was kind of made. I, I I if I remember correctly, he was made like he had to add a lot of the stuff about like uh, Mira Sorvino creating the bugs. Like he didn't want to do a lot of this backstory. He wanted it to be a little more mysterious. Yeah, but. You know, they wanted they needed to make it a little more mainstream. I will have to I will say that this movie stressed me out. How so? The whole pregnancy test thing. It was. ah, Why did the pregnancy test stress you out? Because like I just wanted him to tell her. Oh, right, right, right. But then he was like dead. He doesn't die. No, but then he was dead because she thought he was dead. Right, right, right. And then he wasn't dead. I was just so stressed the entire time. Right. So part of the subplot is so Mira Sorvino is the lead uh, actor. And you don't hear much about Mira Sorvino anymore. She kind of disappeared. I think she does TV. But she was an Academy Award winning actor. Like getting Mira Sorvino for a few years was a get. Like she was a big deal. And I mean a minorly big deal. But she was a good deal. This movie is stacked with 90s, not hot actors at the time, but like. You recognize them from a lot of '90s movies. Josh Brolin's in it. Jeremy Northam, uh, Pete, po- not Pete Postlethwaite. I always want to say Pete Postlethwaite. It's F. Murray Abraham. It's not at Pete Postlethwaite. It's the American Pete Postlethwaite. F. Murray Abraham. Uh, uh, Charles S. Sutton. Norman Reedus is in it, and Lanky Man himself. Lanky Man. Doug Jones. This is kind of the beginning of Doug Jones's career, but we'll get to him. Um, so Mira Sorvino is uh, a scientist, and what does she create? She creates these. What, there was an epidemic going on. Yeah. First of all, there's this epidemic of it's killing kids. Yeah, it's killing these kids, and she creates this bug. Yeah. Like a cockroach kind of. Yes, yeah, like this weird. She basically genetically creates a a, a new species called the Judas oh, species right. or whatever the Judas bug and oh it, oh symbolism and. So they let these things loose in the sewers because that's where the sickness is coming from. Right. The cockroaches spread it. Right. The cockroaches are spreading it. And they kind of integrate themselves into the cockroach things and secrete this liquid. Mm-hmm. And the cockroaches are attracted to it. And then they die. Right. It seems to like kill the cockroaches. It's, yeah. They, they they cover what happens, but it's it's so rushed and vague. Like, But you see like Mira Sorvino, they go down into the sewers and open these like this like big metal contraption mm-hmm. that like these bugs come out and they just start foaming out of their rear ends. Metal contraptions. But you do get some uh, Kronos-esque close-ups of the bug. Mm-hmm. Like in the very beginning, it's very much like, oh, there's that bug. Like it's just right in the screen, like this giant puppet of a bug. Um, cool looking bug. And then you get some dodgy CGI of the bugs coming out of the of the of the contraption. Like, but metal contraptions are kind of a bugs coming out of like contraptions. Bugs coming out of contraptions. So you've got this one. I think it's the only like real metal contraption in the movie. Like, mm-hmm. but uh, it's there. Besides like, the spoons. Besides the spoons, but those that's your old school contraption. Um, Still metal. We had this thing in in the mid to late nineties where we thought CGI could do anything, and because Jurassic Park had happened in like ninety three, ninety four, oh. and we were people were blown away it was sold to us as this like cgi masterpiece what they kept secret from people a lot was the fact that most of what you saw in jurassic park was actually puppetry um blended blended with cgi uh which is how you know a good way to do it a lot of cgi was being done in the late 90s that was 
they were trying, but we just didn't have the the capacity at that point to really sell it, especially when it came to like stuff in the dark. If you watch it today, you can kind of tell like these aren't lit by the same lights that are lighting the rest of the scene. That's the thing with like a lot of these cockroach creatures is. And now they CGI entire people into movies. And now they CGI entire people. You can't even tell. You can't even tell. Unless you look into their eyes. <laughs> Unless you look directly at them. Um <laughs> So that's just so so that's just the prologue, and then it cuts to five years later, mm-hmm. and what's going on? They're trying to get pregnant. Who's trying to get pregnant? <laughs> the the doctor lady who Mi- created things. Mira Sorvino and Jeremy Northam, her husband, who works for like the CDC. He works for like uh, mm-hmm. I think it's like the CDC. Um, and there's like a really like. She's like big and famous because she's cured this whole place. Yeah. Like it's like it's gone. It's been eradicated. And all the cockroaches are gone too. All the cockroaches have been killed. Uh, the the Judas bug has been programmed apparently to die after like a yeah. short period of time, so it can't reproduce. And she's famous, and her husband, she and her husband or boyfriend, husband or boyfriend are trying to get pregnant, um, start a family, and then he's called into a police scene. Yes. At a church. At a ch- Oh, because we left out a little del Toroism. Old man being chased by being chased on a rooftop, thrown off rooftop, just like in Kronos. Happens in the beginning. I totally forgot. Priest. Yes. The priest gets killed by a monster in the very beginning. It just looks like a guy. Yeah. You, you think it's just a guy in a trench coat. Yeah. Who's chasing this priest falls off and he dies and the kid with the spoons sees it yes who's the kid with the spoons describe him he is movie what (laughs) he the kid with spoons he doesn't talk Mm -hmm. he's like 10 yeah 11 yeah um he has these two spoons Mm -hmm. and he mimics sounds with them right sounds of shoes yeah sounds of shoes he likes shoes Mm -hmm. because his grandfather father father, grandfather is a shoe polisher yes who has drilled this knowledge into him of people's (laughs) shoes has he like so we're we're dealing with the weird so again del toroism old man with kid and the old man's role was written uh for uh the actor from chronos Mm -hmm. um it was written for frederico lupi to play but frederico lupi unfortunately could not say speak english well enough and so they got uh giancarlo uh giannini who uh listeners might recognize from uh the movie uh hannibal uh the hannibal lecture film hannibal um but this is your quintessential guillermo del toro old man with little kid uh vague relationship yeah they don't yeah i I think it's his grandson yeah Uh, because like there's no mom in the picture at mm -hmm. least and I think it's grandson. And he has movie condition. Like, is it supposed to be autism? We don't know. They never say. He just doesn't talk. He doesn't talk. uh, And he can mimic perfectly any clicking sound he hears, specifically shoes. He specifically enjoys shoes. Yeah. And he he hears whatever kills the priest walking. And he knows what kind of shoes he's wearing because he he says the kind of shoes he's wearing. Well, he says funny shoes for yeah. this guy. He he can that's right. He can name what kind of shoe you're wearing just by hearing your mm-hmm. feet. And for the for the killer, he just says funny shoes. And uh, so yeah, so there's an investigation at this 
church where they find all these people. Like, they were working at a sweatshop underneath it. Yeah, and people were getting sick. Yeah, yeah. Like, really sick. Was it, like, cholera or? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's, there's this whole thing with, like, there's, there's, so the part of the, part of the pacing issues I have with this film is that there's scenes like this that go on for a while and really don't add up too much except to point the main characters in the direction of the yeah. monster. So there's all these. The little hanging things on the ceiling. The poop. There's yeah. poop hanging from the ceiling. And it's it's like there's little clues within these scenes mm-hmm. of where they're supposed to go. But it's a lot of information that kind of adds up to nothing like you spend a lot of time with this in this sweatshop talking to like this woman who's on a table and she talks about like like the devil with the with the coat or something like the dark man or something and yeah it's it's all a bunch of like distraction just before you get to the to the meat because we know we you figured out what was going on early on you're like oh that guy in the trench coat's actually a a bug and it's just in disguise that's why the movie's called mimic um, but but the movie doesn't catch up to that point for a long it time. It really doesn't. And it sort of is supposed to, it's presented in such a way that you're not supposed to know this. Like it doesn't reveal it. It doesn't reveal it to the characters, certainly, but it also doesn't reveal it to the audience for a while. Unless you've seen a lot of movies. Unless you've seen <laughs> a lot of movies and you just sort of figured it out. Like obviously this isn't a real guy. It's, it doesn't move like a real person. It's just this creepy monster thing we we don't get a close-up of it yet but it's obviously something other than a person so that's one of my that's one of my problems with the movie in general is that the pacing is weird and i think some of that has to do this is just my opinion i think some of that has to do with the fact this is an action movie Mm -hmm. on top of being a horror movie and Guillermo del toro hadn't directed action yet action action and horror have two very different visual languages and pacing and it's very rarely pulled off. It's very rarely pulled off action horror. Like, yeah. um, he ends up becoming good at it yeah. down the line. But right now, the balance is weird. And mm-hmm. so you'll have these scenes that are kind of alien-esque, like with like people in tight places and things are crawling around after them. But then you'll have these big action sequences. Now, if you want a good movie that does that, Aliens does yeah. it really well. Horror and action. Um, but again, he's... he's, he's what my favorite movie again he's like this is like his second film and he's a little he's twisting in the wind a little bit and he's being told to add all of this stuff that he doesn't want to add exactly and to cut stuff he had to cut stuff that he didn't want to cut like you talked about the pregnancy stuff that's all cut from the theatrical version that's only in the director's cut but that added such like a it has a it has an interesting layer yeah especially to her character because she doesn't know she's pregnant she doesn't know she's pregnant um and for some reason he never tells her until the end. Right, well, the situa- this situation never keeps... But, like, they get into this, like, kind of, like, weird argument where she, where he's like, no, you can't go do that. I'm going to go. Oh, right, so right, right. You right. stay here. And I'm like, just tell her she's pregnant. <laughs> well, because he knows she's pregnant because she threw the pregnancy test in the garbage mm-hmm. before it had, had time to... Yeah, properly, like... Finish. F- yeah, I don't know anything about pregnancy tests. And I am he, 15. He pulled it out of the garbage, and then it, it finished its little process, and he saw that she was pregnant. By yeah. that point, all hell had broken loose. Yeah. Um. So he and Josh Brolin, Josh Brolin plays a cop or mm-hmm. a detective who are investigating this thing, and they end up, uh, their investigation ends up taking them down to the uh, to the subway. Where, the old subway. To the, like, there's like a, 
there's a, a, a door behind the door is I don't even remember how this is where this plot gets really convoluted to me. So going back, Mira Sorvino and her friend are both scientists, like entomologists, yeah. it's like studying bugs. And they have these two little boys who help them out, mm-hmm. who find interesting bugs for them. And they're like, these are the streetwise kids we were discussing in the beginning. The streetwise kids. And they're also there so that Mira Sorvino can explain bug life mm-hmm. to them. Not not a bug's life. <laughs> but she has Not a, the bee movie. <laughs> but she has uh, a giant like termite mound in her office. And she yeah. explains like there's a queen who lays a million eggs, and then there's here's the male who and these are the workers, and she kinda like She breaks it down and I had already figured out that the bug man was the bug man. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so she's just explaining how that bug works as well. Right, right, right. Like, they, yeah. they, it's very obvious what's yeah. happening. But yeah. the, the boys have found an unusual bug, and they have it in a cereal box. They found a few, they found some parts of bugs, and they were like, this is the this is the keeper. Yeah. This is the unusual one. We'll give you it for it. We'll give it to you for 10 bucks. 10 bucks. And which in 1997 was like $1,000. Really? So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Well, from the way they react, the way her friend like pulls her aside is like, you got to give him 10 bucks for that? And she's like, it's better. It's better than making money some other way. I'm like, it's $10. Just give the kids $10. <laughs> like they did it. They went, in, they literally went into the old subway system to find you bugs. Like, I would charge $20. Yeah. Like these kids are pretty cool. Um, so of course, late at night, She's she still, she hasn't opened the box. No, because she's like it's just dead. It's yeah. just a broken bug. She's doing some work and the box starts making noises. <laughs> she opens up the box, uses tongs to pull it out, and it's this weird bug that looks like a baby version of one of the bugs she created. But it's big. <laughs> yeah, and it's about the size of her hand, and it yeah. pulls a Chronos on her. She holds it in her hand, and it or she starts to grab it, and it stings her in the hand. Or bites her in the hand or something. And she drops it and pins it to a board to study it. Mm -hmm. And then late that night. Bugman breaks into her office. He sort of whooshes into her office silently. Isn't she still there? She is. It's like behind her. And she's like, what? She turns around and it's like whoosh. And she looks around. She can't figure out where the noise came from. But it's on the ceiling above her. Pulled an alien. And then it flies out the window. Yeah. With With, a little tiny bug. Right. It saved the bug. The bug's already dead. (laughs) I don't think it was dead because it bit her. No, it bit her, and then she pinned it to the thing. I still don't think it was dead. I think it was. Uh... It's like a cockroach; you can't kill it. Yeah, you can't. You can't kill a bug just by stabbing it to the stomach. Like, I wish it. you could say the same for humans. You have to whoosh those things. Whoosh them down. I thought you said whoosh those things. Whoosh, 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 whoosh those bugs. Whoosh them good. That's, uh. my, that's the that's our slogan. That's our our. That's gonna be our sign off. <laughs> whoosh those bugs. <laughs> Wish I'm good. Uh, wow, we are we aren't even halfway through this movie, and we are we are running long. So uh, <laughs> let's pick up the pace here a little bit. Um, so she's realizing that the bugs are still alive, like they haven't died, and she's like, "Oh, farts! farts. <laughs> this is not a good thing." So she's trying to find her husband. Meanwhile, the two boys she sent the two boys back down into the uh, they've sent the two boys back down into the subway to find the egg sack to see if they can find if they if the if the if the bugs have laid a pod. I'm like, why are you sending these two small children by themselves? By themselves to a potentially very dangerous place. The boys go wake deep into the ca- cavernous <laughs> underbelly of the city, and they find one of those the, gi- yes. giant pulsating egg sacs. And they're like, "Is this it?" And then they turn around, and there's the monster man de- munching on a dead dog. Yeah, and the picks him up, picks up one of the boys, 
up picks to up the ceiling. Picks up this bucktooth boy. Tears the bejeepers out of him and then kills the other kid. Right there on screen. Mm-hmm. Hope have, have a good time at the theater, folks. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you paid your t- $5 for in 1997. Um, $5? You could go see a movie for $5 if you saw a matinee. Um, you'd pay like seven or eight. It, was, it wasn't cheap, but, you know, five bucks. It's not $20. <laughs> I definitely saw this movie in the theater in college and because uh, there wasn't much else to do. But uh, What about college? What's funny is I had seen Kronos, and then I saw Mimic, but I, it didn't, I didn't put two and two together. They were the same director at ah. the time. Like, it just wasn't one of those, like, Mimic. It was just we saw every movie like this that came out, mm-hmm. so it was just the every next one on the list. Every movie. What? Every disturbing movie. Just every sci-fi horror fantasy movie. Like we just tried to see them. Um so the kids are getting killed. Uh <laughs> let's see, where are we? Um this is there's a subway scene, which is, you know, looks just like the subway in Hellboy. Like the set is made to look like a New York subway, but it is a can, subway. But you can also tell it's a set. It's very like confined. Um The shoe man polisher. The shoe man polisher. The man the the guy is polishing shoes in the subway in this scene. Right. And so like, so all the characters are kind of coming together. Mm-hmm. And Mir Sorvino meets the little boy because his, his grandfather is polishing shoes in the subway. And that's where she f- figures out the boy can mimic anything with his spoons. Um, he's shining the shoes of a cop played by Charles S. Dutton, mm-hmm. uh, famous, famous uh, character actor Charles S. Dutton, who helps them in their investigation. A little bit. He's like, like, get out of here. You're in a place you're not supposed to be. But then, like, he ends up helping them out. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of goes bonkers, doesn't he? A little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. But so what ends up happening is uh, Mir Sorvino. So the the little boy ends up getting kidnapped by the monster man because he goes into church. Goes into the church and he hears the monster man and he starts mimicking them with his spoons. And they won't kill him because he can communicate with, not really communicate with them, but he can mimic them. Yeah. Their sounds. And so they're like. And they're all about that mimicking. Yeah. They're like clickety, clickety, click. And he's like clackety, clackety, clack. And they, they make off with him. And, uh, old man, old man, not Jesus, the grandfather. Not the guy from Kronos, but he may as well be. Uh, f- figures out that his son has been taken, his grandson has been taken, and nobody believes him. And so he goes off hunting for him by himself down into the sewers. Yes, that is where my son went. The easily, sewers. easily accessible sewers in this version of New York. Um, meanwhile, uh, bodies have been a body is washed up in the sewer pipe. Mm-hmm. Norman Reedus uh, from TV's Walking Dead finds a giant bug that has washed up he's a sewer worker and he finds this giant bug if this is sounding confusing and like mishmash it's kind of what the movie's like uh, yeah. a lot of stuff happens at random um mira sorvino dissects it realizes that uh these bugs are developing lungs and are not the bugs that she created they're mutating in some way they've evolved in some way um, how but uh because they're <laughs> awesome and evolution happens really fast in the movies, like five years. Five years is all you need to evolve. Wasn't wasn't there like? Wasn't, didn't she explain it at some point? Like she sped up their death cycle, right? But like that sped up their evolution, <laughs> their evolution cycle. cycle. As well. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Um, the wacky movie science. This friends. is movie science. This is totally movie science. Can an insect grow to be six feet tall? No, it can't. It would uh, die because you can't. I mean, I guess they developed lungs. 
eventually. But in any case... Wouldn't they have all died before they could develop lungs? Long story short, <laughs> they all end up Mira Sorvino, Charles S. Dutton, the cop, Josh Brolin, the uh, detective, and Jeremy Northam, uh, the uh, the uh, boyfriend-husband... Man. Man. With the all hidden up, pregnancy test. All end up heading down in two different groups down into the, into the sewers. And... Josh Brolin, uh, Jeremy Northam, and Charles S. Dutton end up getting trapped. Yeah, they fall. They fall. They can't get back up. Josh Brolin goes off to find help, but he gets attacked and killed by the monsterman. Mm-hmm. And boy, then they this is this is this is there is still a solid hour to go in this movie at this yeah. point. I was totally blown away. I was like, man, they just got down to the sewers. There's still an hour to go. Like this is where the rest of the film takes place. They find, so to, bit, to be fair, we watched the extended version. We watched the extended version, but it's only extended for like ten minutes. Um, they find an abandoned subway station that seems to exist all over subway New, cart New York, but it's like this like whole like subway yeah. like, platform that's underground. Uh, it still somehow has power to it. No, no, they had to like find. They have to reroute the power. Yeah, but there's still power to make yeah. it work. This thing is decades abandoned. This is like the Ninja Turtles lair from Ninja Turtles Two, and it still has power. Just like there, it just has power. And there's an abandoned subway car. That yeah, but the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are just that. They're Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There are many similarities between oh the gosh. movie Mimic and characters who could very well have become Ninja Turtle villains. Like, there's no reason the Mimic monsters <laughs> couldn't have appeared in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics. Mutated bugs that live in the sewers. I mean, co- that look like people. Come on. Like, that's perfect fodder for Ninja Turtles. It's true. I want a crossover now. I want Mir Sorvino <laughs> in the next Ninja Turtles movie. But they finally get down to the subway. So there's this, they find the subway car. They're, they're, they're hemmed in by the bugs. And somebody's gotten injured. Not yet. Not yet. They get chased. They, they rescue Mir Sorvino. She's been trapped somewhere. And they rescue her. They run back to the subway car. They find the old man. Eventually. They, they get into the subway car. Uh, as the bugs are chasing them, they're surrounded by the bugs, and Mira, and one of them tries to get in, but they slam the door on it and kind of cut it in half. And Mira Sorvino says, "I'm gonna." She reaches, she cuts off part of the bug and is like, "Rub this all over the windows, their guts. Rub their guts all over the windows. They'll only be able to smell each their their guts, and they won't think we're in here." So they do it, and that's when they realize that they rub, rub bug guts all over themselves. But the guy's not injured at this point. This is the point where the 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 body on the ground uh, has one final attack at him. Yeah. It slashes his leg really bad, like, like like upper thigh leg. Yeah, like it just slashes into Charles S. Dutton's leg, and so Which, he, I'm not gonna lie, it was really well done. It's really well done, and he, so Charles S. Dutton is really hurt. Like he's yeah. hurt bad, and uh, she like the woman. What's her name? Mira Sorvino. Yeah, she's like oh. You gotta rub his guts on it, yeah, because you're bleeding. Yeah, it's pretty unhygienic. But he's bleeding, which yeah. is the big issue. Yeah, yeah, because the blood will attract the bugs. The bugs. They they wrap it up really well. That's when they see the old man. Mm-hmm. Um, they go out to save, or the they go out to save the old man, or the little boy is there. He shows up. No, the old man. The no, because the old man goes to save the boy. But the woman finds the boy. Okay, the woman finds the boy. But that's the, later. But the old man is trying to save the boy, and that's when he gets killed. Yeah. Because the little boy is like clickety-clacking, and the old man finds him, and then the bugs tear him apart in front of the little boy. And that's when the little boy realizes they're not his friends. That's when the little boy realizes, 
can't have everything you want in life. You can't clickety clack your way to happiness, little boy. Clickety clack. It's going to be one messed up kid, man. He's going to be one messed up kid, if if not already. So they they lose the old man, and but he has his like prayer beads that he gives to Mir Sorvino. Yeah, yeah. He has this is some symbolism uh, coming mm-hmm. up. So. Charles S. Dutton sacrifices him. Long and short of it, they try to. They're trying to get the 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 subway car started. They can't. It's too like they do, but it crashes. Charles S. Dutton sacrifices himself to to distract the bugs to save everyone else. He like walks off into the subway singing a song that his like, grandma taught him, um, bleeding the whole way. I almost cried. Yeah, the bugs chase after him. Uh, everyone kind of manages to get away. They, okay. You missed you missed the really tense glasses part, the part where um the guy is like trying to turn on the power. Oh yeah, like, like there's this whole thing where like Jeremy Northam is trying to turn on, and like there's a bug right next to him, but he has like the guts on him, mm-hmm. but he's like trying not to sweat. Right. It's yeah. There's some pretty there's some pretty tense little moments like yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Northam ends up in the like the, basically the hive, like mm-hmm. the the egg chamber where they're like just, there's bugs everywhere. And a fortuitously placed movie gas line is right there. Uh, and the, the sort of like gas line that only exists in films where it's going to immediately spray enough gas to fill an area and create a fireball. So he creates a gas line. He has this lighter. He's going to sacrifice himself to save mm-hmm. New York City from these bugses. But Fire he, shooting out of the sewer grates. But he drops his lighter and he has to start the fire by creating a spark by like hitting a piece of metal against the grate that he's on and he's just about to be killed by the bugs he creates a spark fireball goes up but it blows a hole in through the grate and he gets he falls into the water presumably dead yeah but imagine just going outside and seeing like the like portholes to the sewer just filled with fire they are called manholes manholes <laughs> portholes Portholes are on boats. <laughs> Manholes are on streets. That's the difference. What called. There's a but it's this bit of it's this bit of movie uh <clears throat> movie visual language. Like they have to show they have to show Jeremy Northam fall into the water. Yeah. Because otherwise him returning at the very end would seem cheap. Like, well, how did he get out of this giant fireball? Yeah. But because they show him falling into the water, you're like Oh, I think they're gonna bring him back at the end. Like, there's no good way around. They don't it. show his dead body. They don't show his body, and they show him fall into water. And she hasn't found out she's pregnant yet. Right, right, right. So the visual language of the film says this guy's alive. So it kind of takes a little bit of that away. Although they do, they do play it up quite a bit. She ends up in the subway with the little boy. Um, the bugs is coming after the boy. So that's when she takes his grandfather's rosary with the cross on it and uses the cross of Jesus, the Catholic cross, sacri- the, the, the cross of sacrifice, cuts into the palm of her hand, bleeds from the palm of her hand onto the, onto the, the floor, holds up her hand, her bloody hand. If, okay, is there religious symbolism enough? She's cut the palm of her hand with a cross so that the J- Judas bug <laughs> senses her, turns around, and it comes at her, and then she distracts it so it gets killed by a subway car. Yeah. And it gets smooshed. I remember that scene because there's, like, a crowd of people at the subway, and they see this, like, giant bug and this woman, and, like, the train, like, goes and whooshes. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, because it's like the arriving car. Yeah. And as 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 you mentioned, uh, when when Jeremy Northam blew up all the all the bugs, and it's a very Gremlins explosion in that mm-hmm. 
oh, thank God this explosion killed, I guess, every single bug in the entire world because with the only one left at the end to fight the, the main character because we've got to blow him up somehow. And it, like you said, it blows up, it shoots fire up through all of the manhole covers, like all over the People are well aware that something has happened in the sewers. Um, you see cars crashing. Imagine like, if like you were a sub, like a, a worker, like a construction worker or like somebody who had to check out the sewers at that time. I am sure many people were injured in this explosion. Like, this is not a small thing to happen in New York City. And and then she and the little boy are being taken care of by like paramedics. Yeah. And she thinks, oh, and F. Murray Abraham. I mentioned that F. Murray Abraham's in this movie. He is. He's like her mentor. Who po- He pops up like three times. He's like, you've made a mistake with yeah. these bugs. Like every single time he's here. Yeah. He's just there to like tell her that he made a mistake. He's God. Well, he also says... Thanks to, you know, like, I think what you did is terrible. You've created a new life, and that's horrifying. However, my grandkids are alive because of you. Mm -hmm. So, eh, tomato, tomato, like, take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, there you have Mimic. Um, He's got. He shows up at the end to give her hugs and say, I'm sorry, your husband's dead. But then her husband shows up, swaddled in his, like, in a row. He was found. Um, Apparently, he's fine. And he still has the pregnancy test somehow. He gives her a hug, and he, like, whispers into her ear, Oh, by the way, you're pregnant. <laughs> like at the very end, which was 80 yard in because that is not in the original cut. Like it's in the director's cut. Like mm-hmm. it's sort of like at the last minute. He tells he tells Teller, right? I think so. I'm not misremembering this. Like he definitely whispers something in her yeah. ear and he's holding the pregnancy test behind her. We're going to have a baby. Stop using that voice. <laughs> Jeremy North impression. And I presume the little boy is going to live with them. That's what they say, but yeah, like, like that's like I don't think that's how world the world works. No. I don't think that you just get to keep whatever kid you find in the sewers after his grandfather's been murdered. No. There's so many things that we didn't touch on in this movie. We didn't touch on the giant stalactites, stalactites of poop that have to do with, I guess, roaches poop on the ceiling or something. I don't know. Do it's, it's very important in this movie. There's literal mountains of feces dangling in front of I people's remember faces. The detective like. It's like, what the hell is this? Yeah, I mean, yeah. What they, the, have, they have to take the samples of poop. Heck fire um, is this? There's so many cool things in this movie. There's some amazing little bug puppets. Um, the design of the mimic monsters themselves. Lanky man. Oh, yeah. So the, the mimic monsters themselves are portrayed by uh, a combination of CGI and puppetry and costume work. And when it's a costume work, within the, the main bug's costume is... I don't remember his name. Doug Jones. <laughs> Doug Jones, if you have seen any genre film in the last 15, 20 years, you've seen Doug Jones's work. He is a professional mime. He can be he can do contortion work. He is incredibly tall and amazingly thin and one of the nicest human beings on the face of the earth. This is the beginning of his collaborative work with Guillermo del Toro. Did we ever figure out how to pronounce his first name? I just say Guillermo. Just brush it off. Guillermo del Toro. This is the beginning of Doug Jones' work with him, and he plays the mimic bug in this. Uh, he will be back in... Many a movie. Many a movie. Uh, Hellboy, Hellboy 2, Pan's Labyrinth, just it goes on and on. Uh, he plays all kinds of creatures, and he has a wonderful voice. He is a, he's a great actor. He is... He is a, he's, a, he's a mensch, and he's a... We will be touching on his voice more in Hellboy. Yeah, in Hellboy... One, we'll be talking about it. Hellboy 2 will actually be hearing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> because there's a storied story behind Doug Jones and the, the Hellboy movies. But um, yes, this is, this is uh, the beginning of his, of his collaboration with Del Toro. And the bugs themselves, I love the way they're designed. Mm-hmm. Their, their, their faces 
the the because they look like people wearing long coats. Yeah. But the head is actually a shell, like it splits in half. There's a lot of that. What splitting faces? Yes. Yes. Thank you. That's another del Toroism. Splitting faces, faces that don't work the way you expect a face to work. Uh, it's jarring, like jaws that are too large, mouths that open sideways. Like predators. Yeah. And this face that splits open, and when you look at it closely, you can see, oh, it's just shell that kind of looks like a face. It's very well done. Like, it's it a is. nice design. Um, a little janky when they do the CGI, but other than that, uh, uh, a nice nice puppet work, nice, effective CGI work. Yeah. Uh, and it looks like a person, but then it unfolds, and it is clearly an insect, like the body and the thorax and everything. Like, they, like if you saw this thing, like, down a dark alleyway, it would probably just look like a person in a right. trench coat. But, like, if you saw this thing in a bright alleyway, it's a bug. It's a bug. It's a bug. It's got that brown buggedness. Um, so uh, a couple other little del Toroisms are the uh, – this is the beginning of his – a love of people having to descend into the underworld, uh, which is – Or the sewers of New York City. The sewers of New York City. But this is, like – Same thing. To get to the the prize at the end, to, to, to finish the story. To get to the prize, you mean death? <laughs> well, to get to the, you know, to, to finish the story, to, to pursue your quest, you have to descend under the ground. And that happens in this movie, and that's where the bulk of the action takes place, is, is in the lair of the demon, in the lair of the creature. How many of them are there? A lot. Um, other things that are in, uh, let's see, other things in this movie are... The fact that this is, and I, the little thing, it's very much an exploration of. So, if the first movie, Kronos, was an exploration of the vampire yeah. myth, Mimic is very much an exploration of the Frankenstein story because Mir Sorvino creates this, yes. this monster and then abandons it, which is what Frankenstein is. Yes. Uh, creator creates this, creates life and then abandons it and it grows out of their control and then attempts to destroy them. Mm-hmm. Um, because Mir Sorvino, it's funny because Mir Sorvino is, she's young, she's pretty, she's Bond. very likable, um, she's charming, but she's also, she also screwed up big time. But she's also really smart. She's very smart, but she, she created a monster. Like, she's one of Del Toro's flawed heroes. I mean, I mean, like, she did it out of the goodness of her heart. Of course she did it out of the goodness of her heart. All these well-meaning heroes... Well, mean well. Like that's, they mean well, but they've done something that gets out of hand. The question is, though, would more people have died had she not created that, the monsters? That is the question. Like, they don't have any other solutions yeah. to it. Like, these kids are dying left and right, mm-hmm. and nothing is working. So she creates this bug, and it cures them. Yeah. Wait, did all the kids who were already sick die? They don't. I don't think. I don't know if they really answer that. But well, uh, the grandkids are still alive, and I think the grandkids were sick at the beginning. But could she not have created this Judas bug? Simply farmed it for its foam, and then used the foam in the sewers, like because that's what the roaches were after. Couldn't they simply have just deposited the Judas foam? I mean, how long does the foam last, though? Well, I don't know, but. And like, introducing a new life form into the sewers into the that's like into the ecosystem is like a really dumb thing to do like the f- number one on the list of do not please do not do this scientists don't don't release new unknown life forms into our ecosystem did they get 
anywhere else in the world? Well, we, we don't know that. They certainly don't answer that question in Mimic 2 or Mimic 3. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, we've got, but we just uh, to, to wrap things up, we've got, oh yeah, there's that whole scene with like the elevator where they were like trying to get the elevator started. There's a lot, this movie is long. This is a long, long movie. Um, long butt movie. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't want to swear. Oh, I see. It's a long butt movie. Um that has a lot of Del Toro things. We got bugs, we got goop, we've got uh, flawed heroes, we've got the underground. It's it's very much a Del Toro film, but it's in this slick '90s Miramax box. Spoons, <laughs> and it's got spoons. Um, but I still think it's a it's an effective film. Obviously, you like it a lot. I do. I really enjoy it. Yeah, I and, downloaded uh, it on my laptop. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's a nice, it's a nice, it's a nice film. I, you, you seem to like the director's cut. I don't know if the director's cut is, is if you, there's, I guess the, if you're going to find it now, you're going to find the director's cut because Del Toro was unhappy with the film when it was released and it wasn't until like 2010, 2011, he was finally able to release a version that was closer to what he wanted. It's not that different, but it's got a, it's got more character work in it. It's got the pregnancy. It's got the pregnancy. Which if you're going to watch it. You gotta watch it with the pregnancy. You gotta watch man. it with the. Pre- I, I agree. Like I think that adds a layer to her character because she created life in the beginning of the film, and then she goes and creates life again, and that sort of it sort of sets up a rivalry. It's pseudo biblical again, symbolic, not allegorical. But the bug is called Judas. Judas turns against Christ. He's the betrayer. Obviously, the Judas was called that because it's supposed to betray the other bugs. That's why you would call it that. It sneaks into and betrays the bugs and kills them. Yeah. But it ends, of course, betraying its creator, um, which... So she's God. Right. I mean, she is. I mean, that's the whole Frankenstein thing. Like, you are playing God. Tampering in God's domain. Um, what was that voice? Uh, it's a reference. Don't even worry about it. Um, the uh, So you've got that. You've got her then creating new life. Uh, so you have kind of the, like, Lilith, Adam, and Eve thing where God created life and then it didn't work out. So then he created better life. And it did work out, but then the 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 Lilith character comes back as like the the monster. So you've got things like that. You've got the cross. You've got her cutting her hand and the stigmatic uh, imagery. You've got all kinds of like religious symbolism. So you've got a Del Toro film uh, and some beautiful design work, some beautiful creature design. The creature faces are just mm-hmm. spot on. So uh, I think I think that is that's our exploration of Mimic. Check it out. Uh, it's available. It's out there. Spoon. Next time on It's Del Toro Time with Phil and Ollie, we'll be covering The Devil's Backbone. The Devil's Backbone. The Del Toro's return to uh, Spanish language filmmaking, but not Mexican filmmaking. This is a movie he made in Spain because some political stuff happened and Del Toro had to go to another country. So uh, we'll be talking a little bit about that. We'll be talking about the first, to me, real Guillermo Del Toro movie. We won't forget Blade 2 this time. We will not forget Blade 2 when it comes up. And this one's, but this next one coming up, we've got ghosts, we've got blood, we've got revenge, we've, we've got, got the war, devil's backbone. We've got children, we've got some meat to get into. So please join me. I'm Phil. And I'm Ollie. And we'll see you again when it's Del, Del Toro, Toro time. time.